Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the final week's edition of the Crowcast. And uh, I'm looking like a ghost, so uh, apologies for that. <laughs> this is probably a reflection of how I feel at the moment. So, uh, without any further ado, and hopefully Mac is looking a little bit more opaque. <laughs> go, <going>, Mac. <laughs> Um, I'm feeling a lot more real than you, mate. (laughs) I don't know what the hell is going on here, but anyway. (laughs) Here we go. That's better. (laughs) My chroma key just decided to not chroma key anymore, and my goodness me, that was a bit rude. How you going, mate? Uh, A little bit knackered. Um, In between watching footy, I've been doing some jobs today, and I probably overdid a little bit, but uh, had to be done. Bloody spring, got a prune back there's some prune back that and all that sort of shit but it's all no, done no no rest for the wicked mate no rest for the wicked and uh that qualifies you and of i've course, been very uh, wicked yeah <laughs> yeah exactly right and of course you know now you've got a bit more time on your hands because we're done for the year exactly yeah it, it's a uh, it's funny um the football didn't seem quite as real today <laughs> because no. all, of a sudden, all of a sudden it had no relevance and um yeah, it's it's very interesting because in the sense that I you know the AFL they've apologised for that particular mistake, but when we talk about that particular mistake, it, that mistake was enormous because it, that cost uh, a goal, it cost the game, it cost the season, it cost all the supporters of this this club the opportunity and the joy of watching them play finals. So. Yep. And I, and I don't think that that bloody duck shooting uh, polo playing idiot understands that. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I uh, think you do. I don't think Gil cares. To be honest with you, I don't give. I, th- I don't think he cares. And what a farce this week! As a as a consequence, every freaking goal decision was pulled up and reviewed, even though we all know that they review every goal. So even though decisions were called a goal, they still held them up, still held them up and called for a review, even though they've got the 30 seconds to do it. It was just an absolute overcorrection correction by the AFL. And uh, it was just, I don't know. I, the freaking yeah, competition's a farce, mate. It's a farce. Yeah. Just correcting somebody in the chat who said we wouldn't have made it because GWS won. No, look, the, Sydney would have had four... Sydney would have had left four less points. We would have had four more, and we would have been eighth in. Uh, we would have been playing finals. We That's right. We would have been where we essentially would have swapped spots with Sydney. Correct. So, Absolutely. so uh, Reggie, sorry, mate, you're wrong. Uh, we would yeah, have I'm... definitely been playing finals, and uh, you know, would have been playing team against teams that we've beaten during the course of the season. So, uh, yeah, I look. I must admit, I was pretty flat watching the West Coast game, particularly after in the first half we came out so bloody ordinary. And, um, you know, it looked like for a while there that I thought, oh, shit, are we tanking for pick six? And, uh, well, yeah. I was wondering then, the same thing. I really was wondering the same thing. And I thought to myself, well, if they are, it's not such a bad idea. But uh, um, Well, I wouldn't have been no, opposed but, to it, mate. <laughs> but what... That first half, you've got to say this, uh, it's very important because that 
first half showed why we're not playing finals because of the fact that we had so many opportunities and kicked points off of easy shots for goal. And as you know, we've lost, I think we lost five by less than a goal. And, uh, was, and in those games, everyone, we had more shots for goal and we missed easy shots for goal. So uh, at first half was indicative, well, although I didn't, we played pretty poorly on top of that. That's our second quarter was atrocious. But having said that, that in that, uh, you know, with the number of shots we had for goal at half time, we were behind, even though we'd had more shots. And that's indicative of why we're not playing finals. Yep. I mean, you know, we can analyse the season, and I'm sure we will, um, at some stage uh, before the cast pod. Uh, the cast pod. That's how well you I'm going. The, pod, the podcast winds up for the year. But. Um, you know what's right in front of us is a, a team that has been a, a team and a supporter base that has been robbed of um, rob, robbed of a finals appearance, and the team played like that in the first half. They were flat as tack, and uh, even in the second half, you know it seemed to be all about techs and kicking goals and you know all the rest of it. And I don't know. I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't get excited about it. To be honest with you, I've not got excited about the whole round, and I hate to say that because we're a bloody football podcast and we're supposed to be excited about football. But I am so flat after last week, Macca. So flat. Yep. And it did over here. You know, I, I I watch the games, but yeah, half the time it wasn't even so uh, soaking in because uh, it, it didn't have the same meaning to me before. Because from a crow's point of view, it was meaningless. Yep. Um, look, before we go any further, thanks to everyone who's joined us uh, once again on Discord. We've got a really good uh, studio audience there, 24 in the chat. Don't forget, um, you'll have your opportunity if you wish to uh, have your say. So if you do want to have your say, please stick your hand up and we'll get you on uh, for a chat. And also thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube as well. Um, you know, I can't uh, begin to thank everyone who has supported us on our YouTube channel this year, uh, watching the cast and watching our two ugly mugs, Mac. Um, and uh, I'm trying to... The, the reason why I've stopped putting little uh, highlights and analysis on is because um, I had a bit of trouble with copyright, even though I'd been assured by the AFL that I was allowed to run them. So, uh, And even though I've got videos up of full matches that haven't been copyright blocked, so... <laughs> So I'm trying to uh, trying to get that sorted with AFL Digital and uh, hopefully uh, by next season we'll be back with some video analysis because uh, that's one of the reasons why we're on YouTube in the first place. It's not to uh, showcase our stunning good looks, Mac, that's for sure. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's <laughs> too, uh, too red hot about that. No, so, uh, yeah, so as I said, thanks to everyone on YouTube who's uh, joined us. If you haven't subscribed yet, uh, we have got a few casts left to go uh, for the season. Um, our draft and trade casts are always pretty good, Mac, aren't they? So uh, get around those. Make sure you like and subscribe and hit the notification button so that when we pop those up, you'll be, uh, you'll be in amongst it. And uh, if you do want to have a chat, of course, you can chat along on YouTube uh, in the super chat and uh, uh, sorry in the in the live chat and um, both the Discord chat and the live chat uh, on YouTube get mixed in together so everyone sees everything. But uh, if you want to have something to say and actually get on and be a star like Vardy Magic never does, 
then uh, hop on a Discord. The link's there in the description. So uh, get around that. Oh, Mac. All right. Um, I've got to say, too, last week uh, was our highest rating show for the year, as you'd probably imagine, with everyone being pissed off about the situation. We had nearly yep. 1,400, ch- 1,400 chat messages over the course of that um, uh, podcast, Macca. And I always thought that you and me talked a whole lot of rubbish, but then we get 1,300 or 1,400 people saying stuff as well. It's like, <laughs> that's two hours of a lot of, a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> well, it's true, but I have to say this. Uh, amongst the, uh, I knew there's a lot of good stuff as well, so... It's, you know, you got to just pick out the good stuff, mate. Yeah, I think that's what they do with us as well. <laughs> I have no doubt. No doubt. All right, Matt. Well, look, I know the only reason you're on there is for your 15 minutes of fame, and uh, it would be remiss of me if I didn't allow it for you once again. So without further ado, oh, God, I can't speak tonight. Further ado, without yeah. Without further ado, let's get right into it, shall we? Friday night, uh, Collingwood destroying Essendon. Essendon, they seem to spend all their biscuits the last time they played us. It's the last time they played any good. Uh, 70 points in the end and taking out the minor premiership and all the rest of it. And Essendon reports of player unrest in the change rooms afterwards and all sorts. So uh, Brad Scott's got his hands full at that club. Yeah, I mean, it's a Friday night game and they're absolutely bloody pathetic. I mean... We get always get these rotten uh, one o'clock on Saturday or something like that, and this mob and they played absolutely pathetically, and that's twice in a row. They got knocked off by 126 points last time, so you can say they've improved. It's only 70 points this time, but absolutely disgraceful. I mean, they 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 gave nothing, and um, uh, Collingwood, who'd been a bit out of form gave them the opportunity to uh, get some form back with, you know, Dugowie, Josh, uh, Josh Dacos firing. Um, for Essendon, the only two players I would mention that played well were Merritt and Redmond, and um, it is a pity that we didn't get Redmond because he would have been an asset, but, you know, he started decided to stay there. Um, but uh, having no, I've got nothing else to say about the game. It was a rotten game to watch. Very good. Uh North Melbourne, just finishing off the season on a bit of a high. 35-point winners over the Gold Coast Suns, and the Suns would be disappointed with that. Surprising game to watch, thing. I mean, there's North Melbourne. Last week, they got handed here, have picked one. And so they go out this week, they say, look, I will give it back to you, West Coast. I mean, absolutely amazing. I, I would have been tanking like hell, but they certainly weren't tanking. Mate, um, if you're getting 93 it. priority picks, then uh, you don't need pick one. Yeah, well, that's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, but anyhow, uh, they beat Gold Coast by 35 points, and Gold Coast had been playing pretty good football. And I think it's an embarrassment for Gold Coast, quite frankly. Um, uh, you know, uh, 20 losses in a row, I think it was, before this particular win. Um, so, you know, um, yeah. Harbick reckons he's got the makings of a premiership team there. Well, when you lose to a team that lost 20 in a row, <laughs> when... Yeah, maybe not. Um, uh, look, uh, look. Uh, to be honest with you, I think uh, Gold Coast would be a bit disappointed they didn't make the eight this year. Uh, they had a disappointing sort of run there before they stiffened up and started to play some really good football. And, you know, just as much as we came out against West Coast, 
with nothing really to play for and we look really flat. I, I think, to be honest with you, I, I think the Gold Coast lads struggle to get up and I wouldn't read a lot into it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think they are a good side and I think they will challenge for the eight next year. Just to, just want to give a, uh, a big tick to two players in North Melbourne. Um, Larky with his nine goals. He's a very, very good player. And uh, Sheasel, outstanding youngster. You know, he just keeps on rolling on with it. I think he had 37 possessions or something like that. Uh, yeah, outstanding. had a great player. season. Had a really good season, Harry Sheasel. And he, uh, he had something like 92.5% efficiency with it. That's outstanding. Look, you know, Maka, I don't expect North to be terrible next year. They've got, uh, they just need a couple of key pillars, don't they? Um, they do. You know, their midfield has got some real talent in there. Um, you know, they've got a great bloke up forward and just needs a little bit of support probably, but uh, the defence is a bit shaky. Um, but I reckon uh, get Clarkson into him over a pre-season uh, with his mind clear after that fiasco uh, that's happened during the course of this year. And uh, I don't think they'll be the worst. I agree with you. I agree with you because they do play some talented football at times. It's just that they don't normally stick it together for the whole four quarters, whereas yeah. this time they did. Yeah, particularly in the back half of the season, they've had good good periods of games, but as you say, haven't been able to put it together for uh, for the 120 minutes. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Frio, 37-point winners over Hawthorne in the end. Uh, the Hawks would have been hoping to win, uh, end the season on a high, um, particularly at the G, but uh, Frio too good. I don't, I, to be honest with you, I didn't watch this game. Um, no, which one are you talking about? Uh, the uh, Frio Hawthorne. Come on, mate. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I did watch it. Um, it's your I, 15 I minutes. Sure. I shouldn't have to tell you what game we're on. Right. No, Frio played it particularly well, actually, <laughs> and it was surprising because Hawks had been uh, showing some real form and looking like a, a side on the rise, but no, Frio really, really fired the they're Bradshaw, Sarong. Uh, they've got a full forward in Amos, 20 years of age. He kicked 41 goals for the year. And look, Frio, um, uh, a strange side because they can either be very good or very bad. And they decide to be very good and, and far too good for Hawthorne on the day. Yeah, they're a bit schizophrenic, Fremantle. Um, yep. And he's going to have to deal with that over the off season. I think they've got a few holes in their list still, Mac. Um, Frio. I- um, so, uh, and a couple of blokes getting towards the end of their career, like Wilson, etc. So, um, be interesting to see how he handles that. Anyway, uh, next game, Brisbane soaring up second spot with a hard-fought 12-point win over a gallant St Kilda. Um, not a bad warm-up for the finals, actually. It was a pretty uh, solid game, um, and uh, Brisbane probably benefiting from home ground advantage in the end. Yeah, look, uh, from, you know, from the Saints' point of view, uh, Marshall was outstanding and Crouch would play very, very well, as did Sinclair. Um, so the Saints were very, very competitive. So it wasn't like an, uh, a gift game. Saints were trying, you know, they really were playing for their positions in the finals as well. But, um, no, you've got to hand it to Brisbane. They've won 11 from 11 up there. And uh, Port Adelaide have to travel up there in a fortnight's time. And I'm hoping it's 12 from 12. <laughs> well, Brisbane have been flaky in the finals and we will do a bit of a finals preview uh, towards the end of the cast, Max, so hold your fire on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I don't know whether I trust them yet. 
Brisbane? Oh, up in Brisbane, I do. When they're away from there, um, well, they did win uh, the previous game uh, down in Melbourne, but uh, no, I, I think they'll do Port. Mm. Anyway, we'll talk about that more later on. Uh, the Bulldogs, after a slow start, the score that I saw had Geelong in front, and then the Bulldogs came in over the top of them and had a good win down at uh, Alphabet Stadium by 25 points in the end. Yeah, well, look, Geelong had seven out for me. I mean, seven regulars out, and some Joe Nobodies came in. And, um, look, they they did they played pretty carefree footy at the, at the start, and they did get a lead, but... Really, the dogs got gifted with a rare opportunity to win a game at that sta- at that stadium, because mm. um, uh, I didn't actually see much of the game. But um, yeah, Geelong did lead for the first three quarters, but you know the dogs ran over in the last quarter, and Bonkampelli yeah. just got himself another three you know, Brownlow votes. Yep, yep, that's going to be. Uh... It's going to be tight, I reckon. I reckon he's had a really good back half of the season, Bontempelli, and, uh, you know, Dacos, Dacos went berserk in the first half and then a couple of teams tagged him, then he got a niggle, then he got a, a bad injury, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, then we had today, we had Port uh, getting up over the tags by 31 points at Adelaide Oval, doing what they needed to do. Yeah, but, you know... No big deal because, I mean, Richmond had five regulars missing. Uh, they had five no-name brands come in. So um, if Port couldn't have beaten them on their home ground, well... And yet uh, Richmond matched them for the first three quarters uh, before Port got on top and ran over them in the last quarter. Um, as usual, it was Rosie and Butters being the source of their supply. And, yeah, I would love to have them in the Crows, have a midfield like that. If we had a midfield like that, We'd be very close to our premiership side, I think, Queen. Uh, but our midfield stack just asks our coaches, mate. Uh, and then we uh, had Melbourne beating Sydney, which should have knocked Sydney out of the finals race, but unfortunately Sydney, um, by the gift of the footy gods, uh, lived to fight another day. Uh, but Melbourne doing well to beat Sydney in, at the G uh, by 21 points. Yeah, uh, I mean, Sydney, they lead again uh, for three quarters, but uh, Melbourne kicked into gear in the last quarter, kicking four uh, goals to to, to nil. Uh, Petrarca and Riley are quite outstanding for the Demons, and uh, Fritz got five goals. Got to say, Wilden, 42 disposals. He has to be in the top ten players in the comp thing. Yeah, well, uh, you know, talking about, Brownlow chances. We don't see a huge or we don't tend to see a lot of Sydney, but he's he's also had a good second half of the season as well. Oh, I think he's an outstanding player. He, I mean, he work his work rate's enormous, and when he does get the ball, even after he's been running and running and running, he still uses it very well. He's a great yeah. player. Yeah. And uh, the late game that the Giants had to win, um, they did. 32-point winners in the end and getting themselves into the finals over the Bulldogs. And, my God, Western Bulldogs would be ruining that loss to West Coast. Um, but uh, the Giants, I reckon, going better than the Doggies, so probably deserve to be there anyway. 32 points over Carton. Of course, Kuno uh, getting the getting the Coleman. I was a bit concerned, Mac, because I thought Tex might rue that one that he missed at the end. 
uh, from 25 and, straight out in front, but in the end, Kerno kicked three, so it would have been his yeah. anyway. Yeah, so it became irrelevant, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad the Giants got in. I think they'll actually be the team that I support during the final series uh, at the times that I pay attention to it. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I like the Giants. They're playing good, hard football. Um, you know, Carlton have been in good nick, and it was at Marvel Stadium, Mac. Uh, everything against them, basically. And to win like that, um, you know, with all the hype around Kerno and all the hype around Carlton, to come down to Melbourne and win that for a place in the finals, uh, that's, a, that's a sign of maturity from that team that they probably haven't shown previously, I don't reckon. Yeah, I, I think this coach has done a very good job with them, actually, um, because, they, you know, they keep losing players out down to Victoria, but uh, I think he's done a great job. I think they did a very good thing by um, moving Cameron on and getting um, Adam Kingsley. I think you're exactly right. I think he's toughened them up. I think he's turned them into a footy, footy side. And, you know, whether you think Cameron can coach or not, I think he'd probably... He'd been there long enough and as an assistant, then as a coach, and, um, you know, you can tell that they're, they're playing with renewed energy and slightly different game plan under Kingsley. And, um, that you know, they're a bit straighter. They're using Hogan a lot more. Um, yep. And uh, they seem to have their energy back through the midfield. I, I think they, they... I'm not saying they'll go deep, but I think they'll worry a couple of sides. Yeah, and I, I'm totally with you. I think that uh, Cameron ran his race uh, probably a year or two ago, and uh, that's one of the reasons why players kept leaving. They would never ever made it in the finals. Cameron stayed in. Totally, they're much much tougher this year, as you say, and they're much more direct. Um, they used to uh, play a little bit of fancy football, and ended up messing it up. But now, now they're very very tough and very direct. So, yeah, I think they'll go well. So let's just have a look at the flag. At the flag, oh my God, at the table, uh, Collingwood minor premiers on seventy-two points, Brisbane in second, and a home final on sixty-eight. On percentage over Port, also on sixty-eight. Who will go up to the Gabba? Uh, Melbourne and Collingwood at the G will be a pretty good opening qualifying final, I reckon, Mac. Uh, we got Carlton in fifth, who will play the Swans, who ended up in eighth. Um, St Kilda in uh, seventh spot, and, uh, sorry, in sixth spot, who will play the Giants. The Giants will be disappointed at one stage. They were ahead of St Kilda on percentage and uh, only missed out on a home final by 0. 0.7. <laughs> That's pretty close. And then uh, missing out, Western Bulldogs, obviously, after that horrendous loss against West Coast last week. The Crows, after that horrendous error by the AFL, um, Essendon, after that horrendous stretch of games, after they beat us, Geelong, after that horrendous run of geriatric selections that finally came to a close, Richmond, after that, I can't keep going, Richmond, Fremantle, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, and West Coast, uh, right at the death with the wooden spoon. So uh, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Harley Reid because they've got the Harley Reid pick now and he's a Victorian lad. Uh, North have made an application for uh, 
a priority pick plus they want to uh what's that lad's name samson is it that they want to include as they want to include as an academy pick even though he wasn't in their academy because he identified late as an indigenous player and now they want him included and i have that would that would be atrocious if they did that of course they'll do it mac of course they'll do it of course they'll do it. We can get cheated out of bloody finals, but they'll give it a, a player to another club, GG. Sanders, that's the one. Um, they will do it. I'll bet my life that they'll do it. Sandy, you're probably right. They're just making it up as they go along. I mean, that, that, that trade to Geelong last year, Christ. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it'll, it'll happen. I, I guarantee you that... Um, West Coast will... Oh. See, uh, and let's not get too bogged down in draft talk just now, but there's uh, the talk is that the draft is pretty even and not of a huge calibre after about pick six or seven. Mm. Um, so you've got to wonder whether what West Coast will do, whether they'll take Reed at one or whether they'll look to split that pick to try and get some more youth. Um but it's probably not the draft to do it. Probably not the draft to be splitting your pick, to be honest with you. Well, it is interesting because I did read an article that they weren't that that they weren't internally that upset about having picked two because there's a Western Australian lad that, uh, that they've got there on it. Some very yeah, tall. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt and Alex has just put it in the chat. Daniel Curtin. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they did a trade with uh, North Melbourne uh, to try and make to get their own player. Unless, or they, or they, maybe they don't have to because I don't. I don't think the AFL would let North Melbourne trade if they're going to give them a priority pick, mate. Well, North Melbourne would be would be trading to get pick one. Yeah, but I don't think the AFL would allow them because. It wouldn't be one for two. It'd be it'd be two plus something for one. Oh, yes, it would be. So yeah. I don't. I don't. I think if the AFL give them a priority pick, I don't think they would allow North to trade pick two. Yeah. Well, do you think there's any point us trying to trade with with anybody? Well, it's absolutely a point. Um, the qualities are beyond us. That's why I wondered whether we were tanking for pick six, um, because we'll be we'll be pick nine, and uh, yeah, I don't know whether there'll be a huge amount. I mean, look, you know, it's all speculation. There's always good kids uh, that come through um, that aren't in the top half a dozen. But just the word the word is that after about six or seven, it's not that great. But um, you know, Dersma's the one that you'd probably be thinking we might have an eye on. Um, I don't know. Don't know. We would have to be taking a midfielder, surely. Well, you'd want to, but then again, I want them to throw um a million over six years at at Sam Flanders. They won't do that either. Gee, I tell you what, didn't he come out of nowhere this year? Oh well, I, how long have I been talking about him, Mac? I know he had a great year. Right. He, he just he just hasn't he just hasn't had the opportunities until this year and he's really grown. Uh, he's I reckon he's exactly the type of midfielder we need. Gets his own ball, but also is good on the outside. Got good pace. Uh, 
Um, I really, really like him, and I, I wish we won't. Uh, and now that Hardwick's on board, I think that he's more than likely to sign. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would have dumped money on him. I would have overpaid easily for him. I would have smashed him with money. But there's, there's a heap of Victorian teams after him too, though, Ben. Yeah, but that's why you've got to smash him with money. And, you know, let's not get too bogged down, Mac, but I've said during the course of this podcast for years and years that we must we must change our structure in terms of how we pay players. We have a very, very flat pay structure, Macca, and mm. if we yeah. are going to get the best players from interstate to come down here, we must be prepared to overpay. Correct. I agree. We must be prepared to overpay for those Victorian lads. But we have to give them a reason to want to come here and then you rely on the culture to hope that they stay here but you've got to if if we're up against 12 victorian teams to get to get a lad like flanders you've got to understand that we're going to have to pay overs you know so yeah, you know vardy talks about seedsman seedsman was kind of i don't reckon he was on the same level um he was kind of on the outer with collingwood and i think he played his best football with us to be honest he was very much on the out, out with Collingwood. There was one particular game he was playing and he piped at a, at a certain incident and he got taken off the ground and he never played for Collingwood again that year. Yeah. And that's why we we got him. Yeah, so, um, you know, I I just think we need to overpay. And Flanders would have been someone that I would have been quite happy, quite happy for them to, to overpay. You know, but we have a very flat pay structure. We overpay our our seniors, and we have people on our list that we shouldn't have. Anyway, that's probably a, a conversation for another time, Mac. Um, yeah. So let's talk about our game, shall we? Uh, and once again, as mentioned, um, if you are on Discord and you would like to have something to say, um, go right ahead and uh, stick your hand up. Pardon me, and we will get you. Pardon me, God. And we'll get you on for a bit of a chat. Oh, I've got the hiccups. That's great. <laughs> That's not what you want. Uh, anyway, Mac, it was uh, the Crows in the end. 17-21, excellent kicking once again from the Crows, uh, defeating West Coast 12-6-78. In the end, a margin of a lazy 45 points. Um, very, very scrappy first half. Um, much better in the second dig, um, I think. West Coast gave all they had in the first first half and ran out of puff a bit. Um, and that's that. And hopefully... Have they said anything about Harry? Did He, he didn't snap his Achilles, did he? Um, he well, they, no, he has got a serious Achilles injury, uh, which Shit. could take a very long... Yeah, he very, he's in a moon boot. Um, and they said he could take a, a very long period to heal because it's quite serious. So... Um, I don't know. They never actually said used the word uh, snap. They just said it was a serious injury. If he snapped his Achilles, that's a 12-month. So let's hope it's just a strain uh, or a tear, a slight tear. Um, but that's terrible timing, terrible timing for him. It is, because it he is. he just needed another bloody pre-season, didn't he? Well, I thought he was, starting, he was playing reasonably well at the time too. Um, so, absolutely. 
So yeah, it looks like he might be the third player that won't be around at the start of the year. Yeah, I I have my fears about that. I have a feeling it might be a, a season-ending or a season injury for him, um, and uh, that's yeah, that's just terrible news. Um, and again, if that is the case, Mac, it further depletes our midfield. Um, it does. You know, I would I would have been looking for uh, for Harry to be one of our mainstays next year, having been given the second half of the year and taken his opportunities. Um, mm. I would have thought that he would have been uh, first man up. So terrible luck for Harry and uh, not great for us. No, we haven't been particularly lucky because, um, I mean, to have the, you know, the two guys from defence that out uh, like that, and I mean, and key players, and Harry hopefully, beca- you know, becoming uh, one of our long-term midfielder players, it's just, it's a, it's a rotten thing to happen. But yeah, we got yeah. somebody. Sloan will save us. Oh my God. Yeah, well, we got that experience, don't we? In in Sloan, um, so uh, all all is saved. All is saved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you won't get any happy clapping on this podcast, Mac. You might get a bit of happy clapping on some other podcasts, but uh, I don't mind making my feelings known about Rory Sloan and that whole disaster. Uh, how did you think Harry was going? I've been challenged that. They they said, said that Harry was going poorly uh, before his injury. Who? Um, Firewalker said that. But uh, no, no. I, I thought he was going okay. No, he's going fine. Well, I mean, that, none of them played well in the first half, so you could bunch Harry in a bunk that. But his form since he's back, been back in the ones, has been steadily growing, and uh, I. Th- I wouldn't say he's been playing badly at all, to be honest with you. Anyway, let's look uh, at this game because uh, I don't know whether anyone's interested, but we better run through it. Uh, disposals three ninety nine to three fifty eight. Uh, kicks two twenty to sixteen. Handballs one seventy nine one forty two. Uh, massive amount of inside fifties sixty seven to forty one. Sixty seven percent scoring efficiency inside fifty mac. But of course, that shots not goals. Uh, the umpire certainly wanted West Coast to get over the line, I thought. 22 free kicks to 11. I thought the um, umpire was terrible and terribly biased. Absolutely biased. It was weird. It was almost... It was They were almost joking about it. It was very strange. Very strange. Uh, hit outs, 33 to 28. We'll talk a bit about the ruck um, as we go on, Mac. Uh, clearance is 38 to 30. Centre was even and stoppage 23 to 15. Contested posies, 136 to 121, outside 260 to 220. Uh, we only turned it over 57 times. Uh, took a few more marks, especially inside 50, and a few more intercepts. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't... Uh, statistically, we did everything we had to do, Mac. Um, a very low, like, bruise-free game, 47 to 45 tackles. is not a high-intensity game from a physicality perspective, but you'd probably expect that for the last season. Yeah, and uh, also the quality of the side we're playing as well. And as you said, I, we, we were obviously uh, flat as a pancake in, in the first half, and uh, we didn't seem to have any very that much intensity in the first half. And then it's like 
Uh, they might have got a good uh, kick up the backside at half time, and they, and in the second half was more reflective of how we can play. And um, in the last quarter, we were just running over them as if they weren't there. And um, Tex, you know, for the first time in his life, played a real greedy, greedy, selfish individual game trying to get some goals. And that was, I mean, that was interesting to see if he could. And that's probably about the only interest in the game in the last bit. So let me ask you a question, Maka. Who was our best player for the for the game? Uh, look, you could you probably give it to Walker. Um, and you, well, you leave oh, leave no. Walker out of leave Walker out of it for a minute. Oh, that that's very hard. After that, um, you know, a few I've people on the chat have got it. Saligo. Oh, absolutely. I thought he played an excellent game. So. I'm not surprised, um, uh, you know, some people even said he was best on ground because... I I would say it would have been pretty close. So how many CBAs did he get? Uh, Did he get any? Big fat zero. I just can't remember seeing him in there, so yeah. Um, Big fat nothing. What I do like about Saligo, he... He can win the ball, like less than the 50-50 balls. He can win them. Um, yeah, but you're not you're not picking up what I'm putting down, mate. Oh, no, last, no, I, last I, game I, of the season, last game of the season, and we had Crouch in for 24, we had Laird in for 27, we had Dawson in for 26, Harry in for 16 until he got injured, uh, and <laughs> then Peds uh, basically took Harry's spot. Uh, in the first quarter, um, it was Laird, Crouch, and Dawson with a bit of with a bit of uh, Schoenberg and Pedler. So Pedler mm. already had three in the first quarter. In the second quarter, Pedler only had one. In the third quarter, Pedler didn't have any. So this is after Harry's out, right? Pedler didn't mm. have any, right? And in the last quarter, he had two. So we ran that whole game with that old fart midfield. <laughs> well, yes, we did. The podcast hasn't frozen. I'm just stunned. I, I just don't. I don't bloody understand it, Macker. I really don't. No, I, I I am in the same camp as you on that. Um, it's uh, and you know there's, there's a lot of calls that VB should be replaced as a midfield coach, and maybe he should be because um, I don't know whether he's doing what he's told or whether that's what he thinks is right. Um, but there's certainly a lot of uh, a, a genuine lack of imagination about uh, putting players through the midfield. How, how many blo- how many CBAs did Rochelle get? None. How many runs through the middle did bloody Rankin get? None. Mm. You know, uh, even Benny Keys didn't get a run through the middle. Either. They stuck him up forward all game. So we yep. ran, we ran with basically Dawson, Le- Dawson, Laird, Crouch, and Schoenberg with a little bit of peddler in the first half, and then basically Dawson, Laird, Crouch in the second half without anything else. I agree. I mean, it, you know, it's uh, the last game of the year. 
surely you'd, you'd run, you know, in that situation, you'd run, you'd run the young boys through there, let them have a taste just before, you know, as the season is finishing. But no, it, it, it's... Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it either, Pete. It's difficult to work out. It just doesn't... Obviously, we don't know what Crouch's situation is with his contract, um, but uh, I would be more surprised if they didn't re-sign him at this stage, Mac. Uh, I think he's probably forced them to re-sign him um, in the sense that, or, yeah, look, you, you could trade him, but um, I think he's, his value's gone up, put it that way. He's, by the, the way he's played in the last... Was it five or six games? Um, he he's more than uh, paid his way, and um, look, he either gets a contract or you trade him and you get something for him. But I think you're right. I think they'll probably sign him. And if they sign him, they'll play him. Uh, that will be unfortunate in the sense, and I do agree. That's the downside um, because. Uh, you can, yeah. You could play. So you could play him next year and without a problem if you didn't have a Laird and a Dawson there as well. You have got to have different mixes. I want you to have a look at this stat and tell me if this is the stat of a player who um, is going to be a force as a midfielder in the AFL um, for the next year. Matt Crouch, thirty-one disposals, five kicks, twenty-six handballs. Yep, and I, I knew you would raise that. Um, the one thing, the only thing I will say in his defence, I reckon there were several times he should have kicked instead of handball. I agree with that. But there were a lot of very, very good handballs to players out in the open, and uh, which created uh, um, attacks. And uh, I think he just got himself into that mental thing of just over handballing, and uh, and the stats show that. But there were some very, very good handballs amongst that lot as well. He he got dropped and fell out of favour because of his propensity to use the ball by hand and not by foot, Mac. Correct. Yeah, correct. And this is what he dished up against the worst side in the competition. Notwithstanding that Tim Kelly was running right, although Matt Crouch wasn't on Kelly, but the worst... The worst um, uh, team in the competition, Matt Crouch could only get five kicks for the game. Well, there were probably about another five or six times he could have kicked the ball. I know that's what chose. I'm saying. So why didn't? Why didn't he? Oh well, I mean it's, it's a criticism, a valid criticism. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna and look. T- Everyone will say that Crouch gets his hand on the ball and he dishes it out and all the rest of it, and I get that. And he, look, I'm not disputing that his his centre work, his centre clearance work has been quite reasonable since he's been back in. But centre clearance work is only a very small portion of the game, Mac. You don't see him a, a lot around stoppage, and you certainly don't see him a lot in general transition. Um, he, certainly he, he does shine in the centre. There's no doubt about that. Um, he, ha- he had four centre clearances and two stoppage clearances for the game and got us 203 metres from 31 yeah. disposals. Yeah, I'm not worried about his metres because it depends. Like, for example, you compare Smith's metres, he, he might get 600-odd 
metres for a game and the ball comes flying back over his head. But um, if those handballs go to somebody who then uses it to find a teammate because they've been put into a, a good position, then then it's a good uh, move to do that. So it's it's really hard to measure uh, that you know the efficiency of that against uh, kicking it because he's not the greatest to kick. So um, look, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I don't think he had a bad game. Um, but, yeah, there were five or six times at least he should have kicked. We had 38 scoring shots, Macker, and he had seven score involvements. Yeah. I'm not responsible for him, mate. You don't, you don't have to attack me for him all the time. That's the most ridiculous thing that you've ever said. I know, like, we're, we're discussing a player, and I'm saying that seven score involvements from... 31 touches when we've had 38 scoring shots is is not good enough. I'm not asking you to answer for him. I'm asking for your opinion. Well, it isn't good enough. I agree with that. But I'm saying that um, there was bad in his game, but there was also some good in his game as well. Um, I just think that, unfortunately, it's, you know, when you've got a... Uh, a mixture of Laird, him and Dawson. Dawson is a fighter for the ball. Laird is, you know, he's a a fighter for the ball. And so is Crouch. They're just not... There isn't that um, midfielder who you can... Like a Parrish. Parrish doesn't earn many balls. Parrish gets a lot of those... Crouch would be very good with the Parrish steps to him. He'd be just throw, flick it out to Parrish all the time. And that, and that would be actually very efficient. But... Um, we don't have that type of midfielder yet. Well, let's look at Lady because uh, between Lady and Crouch, they had 68 possessions for 15 kicks. Led had 10 of them uh, and 27 handballs. He had four marks, four tackles, um, 14 contested possessions. Uh, Led at least had 13 score involvements. Um Six clearances, five centre, and one around stoppage. Um, but again, two sixty-five metres gained. So, you know, less than five hundred metres gained out of our two mainstay midfielders, Mac. And it's that's not a midfield. That's not a midfield that's going to win a premiership. Totally agree. Hundred percent agree. So, so what do you do about it? Well, I've already said to you, I agree that I would have run the young fellas through there. Um, uh, Pedler uh, got some opportunities. I don't think he actually made the most of it this, this time. Um, whereas when he played a half a game last week, I thought he, he did very well. Um, he just looked like he wanted to... Uh, he, got he, less, he, he, he got less centre bounce attendances in a whole game this week than he got last week in a half a game. So what well, do you I want him to that, do, Mac? Well, I, yeah, I guess that's on the coaches here, not his. But um, well, then, yeah. So what do you want him to do? He had sixteen disposals, three and three, uh, three marks, three tackles. I should say, eleven kicks, five handballs. Um, burnt the ball a bit, I thought. Uh, yeah. Turned it over four times, but he had out of those sixteen disposal, he had the same score involvements as Matty Crouch. Yeah. So he was double, double the efficiency of Matty Crouch. Well, my one criticism, though, Pedler, though, he did have three 
good shots for goal, which he missed each time. And Absolutely. that's something that he that's something that he really has to improve on. Because Agreed. he's a beautiful I can't understand it for him because he is a beautiful kicker of the ball. And yet yeah. it it must be psychological when he's shooting for goal because he doesn't look like kicking them. It doesn't like it. He doesn't just miss by an inch. He misses by, you know, like a half of a, half of yeah. a, a, you know, a goal and a point. You know, it, yeah. he, it's just not good enough. And uh, he's one of those that we seem to get on a roll with the yips, and um, and it, and we're a team that seems to one does it, and just seems to be get uh, very catching. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I was watching the GWS game this afternoon, and I don't know whether you remember at one stage, Callum Ward got a 50-metre penalty that put him about, I don't know, 25 metres out. Do you remember that? I reckon it was the second quarter. No, and, I, I didn't see that. Yeah. All right. And anyway, he's lined up and he's popped it straight through. But what, what struck me is that the conviction that he with which he kicked the ball. And mm. I thought to myself at the time, that's exactly that's exactly what you don't see from Adelaide players at the moment when they're when they're um, lining up for shots for goal. He he kicked the ball with conviction. It was going through, and you know blokes like Thilthorpe and Tex occasionally when he's closer to goal and a few of these others suffer from that. They don't kick the ball with any sort of conviction whatsoever. The, the trouble with Peddler, I think, though, Macca, is that I think he kicks set shots like he kicks the ball on the run. And they're two different two different um, mechanics. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're allowed to play different mechanically. Um, and it's interesting because when he was playing in that SAFL final and for West Times, not last, not last year before, he got. He got. He kicked, I think he kicked five goals that game, and most of those mm. were well, kicking on the run, just, mm. as you say. And like he break out of centre and go bang and kick a long sixty metre goal. And yet here he is he's having a set shot goal thirty five metres out straight in front, yeah. and you know he's going to kick a point. But what I'm more interested in is his around the ground play, which is substantially better in terms of effectiveness and efficiency than Matt Crouch. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if we're looking at the long-term future, he, he'll he be um, a very good player and and I think he'll be a very good midfielder and he is one that's got, must be given the opportunities continuously. But we know he won't be. Well, I reckon there's another player next year who, who might be pushing to be playing in that position, though, Bean, in... Uh, uh, Billy Dowling, um, he's. Uh, they obviously think a lot of him, you know, because um, they've they've re uh, signed him. I think for another two years. I think it is. Um, and uh, from what I've been told, because I, I don't watch the SAFL matches, but I've been told that he's been uh, playing extremely well. So he's been playing well. His disposal needs a lot of work, Macca. And uh, I don't think re-signing him for two years is any indication when they re-sign Lockie Murphy for two years. Um, Dowling won't be a AFL midfielder next year, in my opinion. Well, I don't know. I'm not qualified enough to say that because, as I said, I haven't been watching him in the SAFL, but I'm only going by what the reports were. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, look, he's 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 a good good lad. Absolutely, got a lot of really positive traits. Uh, you know, gets gets the ball and gets his own ball. Uh, but his kicking does let him down, 
Uh, I wouldn't mind him getting a look in, um, you know, but in terms of breaking into our midfield, but the, our midfield needs to be Luke Pedler, Josh Rochelle, Jake Saligo, a bit of Isaac Rankin, and one coalface. You know, Geordie yeah. Dawson's in there as well. You know, we if you look at, say, a Melbourne, they've got Jack Viney, who does a lot of the hard yakka, and you've got Petrarca and Clayton Oliver, Oliver. Who, both, Oliver. who play very much like Pedler and... And, and those blokes, you know, they're just hard, strong players, but they're not just one-dimensional. You know, Petrarca's not a one-dimensional player. Oliver's not a one-dimensional player. We've got two blokes in there that are one-dimensional players, and they chosen chose to play them in tandem against the worst team in the last game that meant nothing. I, I just don't get it. Look, I have to support you on that. I do agree with you on that because... Um, they are one-dimensional, absolutely one-dimensional. And you actually quoted a very good midfield there in um, Melbourne's because uh, they're all slightly different. Um, you know, Petrarca's got absolute Correct. brilliant. Uh, Oliver, well, Oliver's just Oliver. I mean, he's, he's so hard to beat for the ball. And Viney is just a brutal beast and, um, and tough as. So, um, yeah, they've, just got a, they've got a lovely mix. Lovely mix, and they're all quality as well. Yeah. What they've also got, Melbourne, is a good ruckman, and we saw an interesting tactic against West Coast Mac where they decided to uh, take uh, Riley Thilthorpe as the sub, um, and it seemed to be a predetermined tactic to give him half a game in the ruck. What did you think of that? Well, I thought it was a good move. Um, Last week, Thilthorpe, Three possessions for the game was atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Um, and um, I, I, I just thought Thilthorpe looked a lot happier uh, being the ruckman, to be honest. Um, uh, what did he have? He, uh, he had he had the nine, uh, just the nine possessions, and he only played like a half, half on the ball. Um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, he should get a lot more runs on the ball because at the moment he's lost his confidence as a forward um, and is really, compared to the natural ability that he possesses when he's playing up forward, he's giving us very, very little, little indeed. When you get, because the guy has got tonnes and tonnes of ability and talent. So um, I just think he just needs to be given that opportunity on the ruck to be playing more and more and more. Uh, and I just think he'll get better and better. So my question was about the decision to play Thilthorpe as a sub, Mac. I think that was a plan to bring him on at halftime. You know, get, I know it was. Just, I know it was a plan. The good thing there was nothing on that game, and we weren't playing a, a decent opposition. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that Rob was horrible in the first half, though. Think. No, what I'm saying is, why would you play a ruckman as a as a sub? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that, but... Um, that's what that I'm Thank you. Finally, that's what I'm getting at. You know, we had Harry that ended up going down with a with a with um, with an Achilles, and yes, it didn't matter because, you know, it was West Coast, and they've taken the gamble, obviously, but we've made some very strange decisions with regards to the sub. You know, playing Lukey Peddler a couple of weeks ago comes to mind. 
and uh, you know, I just silly. Why, why not? Why not? Why not just play Thilthorpe in the ruck? Yeah, well, look, I, I totally agree with you. Um, um, you don't start a ruckman as your son. Nobody does that except us. I mean, that, that's you just you you always put. Uh, you want fast, fresh legs coming on when you when you bring the sub on. Yeah. That being said, um, I think we saw the difference uh, certainly in centre ruck work between a ruckman who can ruck and a ruckman who can't. Um, and I know that Riley got a bit jumped over by the West Coast ruckman, but when he had the opportunity, his uh, hit zones were so varied compared to uh, what O'Brien serves up. Um, and I just feel like he just needs to continue to play there. He needs to continue to develop his physique. Um, and he could be Max Gorn-like in a couple of years um, because his ability... I remember one where he flicked it over the back of his head. Um, it was, it, there was just... He was able to hit to our advantage far more often than Riley O'Brien has ever done. It was oh, it was oh, chalk and cheese, Mac. He's got look, he has got massive natural ability. The one thing he hasn't got at the moment is a, a great deal of belief and confidence. Um you know, I think he's got less confidence now than he had when he first started playing in that first year. Um but he but he's still got the ability. He's still got the ability. And like you say, if you just gave him that opportunity to keep playing and the majority of our ruck work I just think he would just get better and better because it gives him uh, a lot more opportunity to to do different things, to be involved in different styles of play rather than being a tall up forward surrounded by other guys who are the keys and you're just um, hanging around there hoping to mark a ball now and again. So I just think that that, that sort of slowed his development down making him into a forward like that. So um, the more opportunity he's got to ruck, I think the quicker he will improve. Macker, I don't think he's a forward. I've never thought he's a forward, and I don't think he's a forward. Well, he had, he had a very he had a day out even when he played his first one and he, uh, as a forward. Oh yeah, but we've five. already talked about that. That was two years ago, and the ball fell in his lap a few times. Like he did not kick five genuine forward goals. At least two of them were opportunistic. Well, and yeah, because he's got the and he's done to nothing. Do that. Si- and he's got nothing. He's done nothing since. He's not a forward. No, and he was play- He was playing as a ruck when we, when we re- uh, recruited him. Yeah, that's right. He he was playing uh, ruckman in the SNFL as an eighteen year old for Westies. Yeah, he he is a de- he's a dead set. He's he's a. Uh, I think you might have mentioned it last week. Mac, he's a bit of a Mark Blitzars. He's got he probably hasn't got the tank of Blitzars because Blitzars is a is a an elite runner, but he certainly yeah, he does is. have a tank. He does have a tank, and he plays much smaller than his size. Like he, when he's on the ground, he doesn't look like a loping two hundred centimeter bloke. So, no, no, he very good debit then uh, below his knees. Very good, but. But we need to have him in the game. And I was very pleased to say, you know, despite the fact I thought it was silly that it, they took him as a sub because that could have gone pear-shaped very quickly, I actually feel 
happy that they gave him half a game uh, rucking and I just I just feel like the you've a, a kid like that you've just got to keep him in the game he's just got to be in the game and when he's sitting down forward he's not in the game he goes cold you know uh, we've got other marking options up forward you know he gets a bit lost I think he just needs to be in the game and I I think that the best position for him is as a ruck and there's plenty of sides around that have shown that you don't necessarily need to have a winning ruckman as long as you've got a good midfield and you know Thilthorpe almost becomes an extra midfielder when he's in the ruck yeah look uh, he played all his junior footy as a ruckman and um he was always br- uh, well he didn't uh, no br- he didn't no that's wrong he didn't but go on he well he did play he played a lot of a lot of, a lot of games in the ruckers he played he also played a lot up forward he played in his senior year at Westies. He played most of it in the ruck. No, I was talking. I, I, no, I was talking about his junior days. Talk about his okay, junior days. On. Yeah, because uh, my uh, yeah, my grandson played against like him. junior junior days. I'm talking like you know up, up to about under sixteen, under seventeen, yeah, something okay. like that. Righto, okay. So he so he he's fought to at that stage were and he he was outstanding because he was not only uh, good at as a ruckman at that stage, but he was also brilliant at, uh, even at ground level, just getting the ball and his mobility as well. And uh, yeah, I, I just think that um, I think he would be much happier if he was playing in that position, and he would develop much quicker as well. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you know, I mean, I don't want to go too much on about any other individuals. Uh, it was a nothing game. Um, Players did what they had to do. Um, it was relatively bruise-free. Um, a lot of play between the arcs, Mac. Um, oh, I'd, like, I'd like to mention one player, Gallant. Lucky, Lucky oh, Gallant. Yes. yes. Now, Lucky Gallant is part of the future of this club. There's no, no doubt in my mind about that. Um, I, I honestly think, I mean, the guy's been waiting and waiting, but, um, gee, I, I thought he showed plenty of ability for that. Plenty of ability, and um, oh, he's always had plenty of ability. He just hasn't had, op- you know, much opportunity because where he w- would naturally play is where Walker is and where Fogarty is. But I, I have to say, I, I really, really liked it. Even when he was, he had a a few stints in the middle as a ruckman. I thought he did quite well when he did that as well. Yeah, so yeah, it I wasn't think, the worst. Yeah, I, th- I think the guy is a very good footballer, and. Um, yeah, um, I think he's he will be the t- uh, replacement for Tex long term. Well, I mean, it depends a bit on what uh, Shane McCannum does as well. Um, you know, and I think he Gallant could also benefit from Thilthorpe being pushed up the ground, Mac. Um, yeah. I don't, oh, I don't yes, know what's yeah, happened yeah. to my background. Um, apologies, something's just happened to my background. We're just going to go black now. Um so you know with maybe moving Thilthorpe out and um, if if Shane decides to go back to WA um, you know that that makes a little bit of space for for Lockie I agree I've from the moment I saw him I thought gee this kid knows how to how to jump knows how to attack the ball in the air 
Um, he just needs a little bit more on him, doesn't he, uh, in terms of um, strength. Um, yeah. But he plays tall. He's got good reach. Um, he's got good timing usually and uh, doesn't look out of place at all at AFL level, mate. No, not at all. I, I thought he looked very comfortable. Um, as I said, I think he's very promising. Um, and then I want to mention the reverse of that. I thought Borlase, from to, from my point of view, uh, he just thought, I don't think he's got it, Bean. I just don't think he's got it. Well, I mean, he was up against Jack Darling for most of it. Yeah, but I just think he's he not. Looked, he's he looked, not a key defender, Macca. Like you're you're asking a lad to play out of position. He's not. He doesn't even play key to, key back in the SNFL half the time. I, I just don't. I don't care whether it's key defender or ordinary defender. I just he he hasn't got a lot of pace. And yeah, I thought a couple of times he got very badly caught out of position too. I, but I, I don't. I don't know why we would dwell on that because we basically have already we we've already come to that conclusion. I mean, the reason well, he's being played is because we've got no others, um, you know. So, um, you well, know, no, the Mick relevance of talking, out. yeah, the relevance of talking about him though is that we've only got very limited uh, spots on our, you know, on our list left, and I and I'm I'm saying I don't think he'll be one of them. No, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know whether they'll be willing to cut him with Butts and Murray out, Mac. I mean, that's the only thing that can save him, but from my point of view, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't think that he's part of it. I'd, I'd, I'd shuffle the side around and put somebody else in, but uh, he'd maybe play Galan in, in the back line for a, a, a bit of a grooming. But um, I just don't think he's a, a really, really natural AFL footballer. Well, I think he's a natural AFL footballer. I just don't think he has any physical... Agility, Mac. I think he. That's I think not, he knows idiot, what to yeah. do, and I. I think he knows what to do, and he's got the size. But I, I just don't think. I think he just suffers from being the wrong size for the position that he needs to play. Probably right. Probably right. But you uh, know, he, he was quite a good player at Sturt before he got brought on our list. Yeah. For uh, me, he just doesn't seem right, and um, when you. you you look at uh, the type of players that other people have in that position, and I understand what you're saying, that we've got very good players out injured, and that's one of the reasons he's there. But, um, yeah, still don't still don't really like him as a player. Well, no, and that, I mean, we've already discussed his position, but I, I don't... Unless we've got someone looking to come in, and there's a couple of rumours about the lad from Essendon wanting to come over, but I don't know so much whether I like that. Um you know, unless we've got an iron in the fire with regards to another defender, I I can't see them getting rid of him because we just the the cupboard's pretty bare. Yeah, it is. Uh, look, I'm just hoping they've got something up their sleeve. I mean, um, you know, they they were all out and, and publicly out and it, um, and, it, and it failed. Um, but they surely they must have some fallback position. Uh, we we do need another defender at the moment, and but it isn't. Yeah, I, I'm very reluctant to recruit just another average player in the back line. We just need 
somehow uh, a quality player from somewhere. We, uh, we managed to pick up uh, Dawson, we picked up rank, and we picked up quality players, and that's what I'm hoping. If we add to our list this year from, some, uh, from another club, that it be a quality player and really a defender uh, or a mid. It's only two positions. Well, the only one really is Brennan Cox from WA, and, you know, we've talked about the possibility of Shane McAdam being involved somehow in him coming back. You know, we've had a couple of tips at him over the course of his career. You know, he, he's the obvious one. Uh, there's Dirk Thatcher from Essendon, who I don't really I don't really rate, and I don't think would be an upgrade at all. Um, you know, there's probably one or two others, but... Uh, you would think that if they're going to go down any road, uh, and assuming Shane wants to go back home to WA, then Cox would be the one. But it'll be interesting because, as you say, Mac, we don't have we're not flush with spots at the moment. Um, no, very tight. You know, we're pro- very tight. We're probably uh, you know you talk about ball ace. You know, there's maybe uh, maybe a couple. Of, you know, there's we spoke last week. There's a couple of others that are going to drop off, obviously, um, but. Uh, yeah, the other one I wanted to speak to you about, and uh, um, Vin in the YouTube chat raises him. I want to talk about Darcy Fogarty. Poor, I thought he was only very average. Poor game. I, I would rate his season, and I don't want to go through all the players, but I just want to talk about Darcy for a minute. I, w- I would rate his season as below his expectations. He had a, he had a bit of a purple patch there for a while. Yep. Um, but overall, um, yeah. And the thing, the thing about Fog is that he knows from his own mouth. He knows what he needs to do to be effective. He needs to get on his bike. He knows that when he gets on his bike and runs, that he's effective. He can take marks up the ground and all the rest of it. I still think that he struggles a little bit working in tandem with Tex. Um, because they're so similar and they run, they have similar leading patterns and they run to sim- similar areas of the ground. But, um, you know, ha- ha- is Falk just one of those teaser players that will, that will just give you little, little bursts of, of goodness, but overall isn't quite there? It's a very good description of his career to date, anyhow. Um, I- you know, hopefully he will go a little bit further than that because he's actually publicly stated his own weaknesses. But uh, up to now, uh, that description that you just put that put out then as a teaser um, is pretty fair because he like during the year there was a there was a stage I think about two or three games in a row where we thought yeah Fogs arrived. You know, he's really he's really got the messages. and he said you know I'm no longer jockeying with my opponent. I'm I'm making leads etc. But Watching him again on the weekend, there wasn't a lot of leads and there was a lot of jostling. So I thought he went uh, backwards again on the weekend. And, uh, well, and that's he's been that... doing that for quite a while again now, Mac. He's fallen into that. And every time I see him do it, I think, Darcy, what the hell are you doing? You know that this isn't effective. Mm. Uh, question for you, Pete. We could only If we can only get one player and not forget names, but a, a, of a reasonably good calibre, and it's a, a quality batman or a quality mid. Which one are you going? Mid. 
Yeah. I think so because <laughs> just just in the chat to go mid along with you. Yeah, it is interesting because we talk about we need a backman, but uh, and you know the club said that it's going it was going to focus its attention on backman, but we really do need a quality mid. I mean, we've got Dawson who is a who is a quality makeshift mid in the sense that we didn't draft him or did trade for him to get him as a mid. Um, he was playing on the wing. He originally stayed made most of his football at half back, and his last year with Sydney, he played about the last ten games on the wing. Uh, and he's just he decided he'll be a mid. He went to the coach and uh, suggested I should be in the middle, and which was a great move for us. But uh, that's you're robbing Peter's pay Paul in some ways. But um, yeah, we don't have. When we talk, like you mentioned the names with Melbourne have got, and there are other clubs that have got two or three like that. We don't have those same t- type of names. And uh, Well, we yeah. don't know, Macker. I don't want to get into this argument again because we don't know because we don't play them. The only reason Melbourne know that Petrarca and Oliver are good midfielders is because they bloody play them there. We, we don't know, Mac. We don't know. So uh, it's just... It's just... It's a moot point because unless the club wants to actually hand over the hand over the 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 baton to the new players and to trust the youth and to get which is what this season was supposed to be about, Macca, then you don't know what we've got. You know, no, we've got a... Sam Berry in the twos. We've got Harry played half a year and is now injured. We've got Jake Saliga. I don't know what else he needs to do to bloody attend a centre bounce. We've got Joshua Shelley, who's a, who's a natural clearance player who doesn't get a look in. We've got Isaac Rankin, who is a tough, hard, natural clearance player, doesn't get a look in. I don't know what they're doing, but I don't like. I do not see the point. I do not see the point in how we played the back. I am terribly disappointed with how we approached the back half of this season. And you cannot say that we don't have the cattle because you just don't know and that's a fair comment it is a fair comment um i think with peddler for example i think he he could be uh one of our potentially one of our best uh big things in the middle if he gets himself totally fit and injury free um he's since we've had him this is this is the best peddler's been but he's still not 100 percent fit to the level of what you would require from the midfielder but i think he so you run, him, you run him in tandem with Saligo. Yeah, but yeah, you give him fifty percent. From the, from the samples the guy showed us, he showed us that he can do it. I remember one particular game with six CVAs for three clearances. So I mean, the guy can do it. So I, I, I'm in the same camp as you. We're not arguing about that. But I, I still would love to have somebody of like like an Oliver or Petrarca, that sort of level. Well, you don't know whether we've got one of those. Oliver and Petrarca didn't become Oliver and Petrarca until about four or five seasons into their career, maybe longer. Yeah, but they didn't, just didn't get drafted as those players. What happened was they got trusted and they got played in those positions. Yeah, something said that Oliver was picked four and Petrarca picked two. Doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't it? No. Doesn't matter. It, it, once you've made your selections, you pick those kids in the in the in the positions that they are picked in. And Matthew Nix does not trust the youth. 
He's shown at Macca. Second half of the year when the finals were on the line, he reverted back to Matthew Bloody Crouch, who hadn't played a senior game for almost two seasons, Mac. Two seasons. Who they shopped around last year and, and, and tried to get rid of and lowballed a contract. They went back to that player, irrespective of... Like, this isn't talking about the worth of Matty Crouch. This is talking about the attitude of the of the selection panel. They went back... They would prefer to go back to a player that they hadn't gone to for a season and a half rather than trust a kid. Yeah, well, there's no argument against that. I, I, I'm in the same camp as you on that. So, so you can't... You can't um, you you can't say that we don't we we need a player like that because we don't know whether we've got one or not. No, I I understand that, but the point I was trying to make is um, we did trade in quality players in uh, Dawson and Rankin. They were proven. I'd love to be able to trade one of those in the midfield to go with our young guys. When was the last time we recruited a quality Victorian? Or a quality non South Australian maker. And you can't say <laughs> and you can't say Paul Seedsman because he requested to come here. Mm-hmm. We didn't recruit recruit Sloan, we drafted him. When was the last yeah. time we traded for a quality well trading is recruiting, drafting isn't recruiting. There was one. Who? Darren Darren Jarman, but he was a South Australian. Well so there wasn't one. I said no, South Australian, someone who's not a South Australian. Well, you did say that. Uh, no, oh, there isn't one, probably. I don't have anybody out there in the chat. Someone says one, but... Betts. Betts was a South Australian. Ronnie Burns is probably a good call. Ronnie, It might be Ronnie Burns. <laughs> that's, a long, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Ronnie Burns. Oh, my goodness. Wayne Carey. Well, he was a South Australian. No, he was a New South Welshman and then came and played uh, whatever. But anyway, yeah, you, Jenkins you, maybe. You, but you've got a good point, mate. It's a valid point. Like, like the simple fact of the matter is that, yes, we recruited Rankin and Dawson, but that's fantastic, isn't it? Isn't that just great? Two South Australian lads want to come home and thank God they're great, good players, right? But they when are. have we actually gone out and targeted someone who's not a South Australian and got them to come to the club? Like a Charlie oh. Dixon, for example, or, you know, like there's two or three in Port's team. When have we when have we done that? I have to say um, Port have outdone us very, very badly in that area. They've done us... Yeah. Like Guyman in like the a... chat says Brisbane. Exactly the same. Brisbane managed to get Lockie Neal... When Lockie Neal's a South Australian, he was coming from WA. Yeah. Dano, Dunkley, Neal, yeah. Uh, and actually, it is a weakness of the club. There's no doubt about that, thing. No doubt about it. It's an absolute trend. It's not even a, it's not even a coincidence. It's a, it's a thing, isn't it? It's like we need to, we need to, if we are... If we are to be the best in the comp, we need to target the best in the comp or those that we think will be, you know, elite in the comp. And it shouldn't matter where they come from. And if we have to pay overs to bring someone in that would rather play in Victoria, then we should do it. 
Oh, I've cruelly somebody says Richard Tamley, which is yeah, true. it's just rude, just rude. And he he was a shocker. He'd have to be a shocker. Um, Someone asked why look, Luco didn't want to come to us. Well, because he's settled up in in Gold Coast. It's not that and he's not a big fan. He's not a, he's not a big fan of the Crows. Yeah, it's not that he doesn't want to come. He doesn't want to go to any other club. He's happy where he is. So that that doesn't count. But um, look, your point's one hundred percent valid. Um, we couldn't call it. You know, we've been trying to call ourselves a destination club, but you're not a destination club till you can attract them from uh, Victoria and of high quality. I agree with that. So you know, I mean, like I've already people are saying, well, who? Well, I've already said Sam Flanders was is the absolute obvious target, and I would have chucked money at him left, right, and centre. Right from I would you know he he's exactly the sort of bloke that you would look at at the beginning of the year that Justin Reed should look at his whiteboard at the beginning of the year and say who do you reckon is a good player that's maybe a bit on the outer um, at his current club because he just can't break in and Sam Flanders would have jumped out at you right and you would have been on the blower to him from there and then you watch the season that you have that he's having and you'd be rubbing your hands together wouldn't you? Oh, he's had a massive season. Yeah. His numbers just get bigger every week. You know, so look, I don't, I don't think we've, I don't think we've unlocked all our visible talent yet. Um, I think there's plenty. Jake Saligo is going to be a beauty, in my opinion. Uh, one of yeah, Hamish's uh, mid-draft specials. Um, yeah. Luke Pedler, I think, is going to be a beauty as well. Very much an impact yeah. player, I think, Luke. Um, uh, Joshua Shelley, if the, if he decides he wants to be a 250 game AFL player, will be an excellent 250 game AFL yep. player. Uh, Isaac Rankin, similarly, will play a yep. lot of games for the Adelaide Football Club. All right. Now you look. You're talking about those lads there, right there, and I'd like to include Harry in that, but unfortunately now he's injured. But if you look at those lads, Mac. That those kids have shown enough at various points in their short time in AFL to think, you know what, maybe we've got a mix here that we can work with. Oh, look, I agree with you. I was actually going to raise that point that um, while the year seems to be uh, wasted in the sense that we didn't make the finals, what we did do is we got a, a heap of games uh, into uh, a lot of the young, the young lads again. And that which they'll be that that much better again next year. So, I, I you know, and the ones you've named are all ones that you would expect to get uh, improvement out of next year. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think next year looks uh, reasonably bright for us. I would love to add uh, another quality player from outside, whoever whoever it might be, um, and that you know, and that for example. Would knock out your Crouches or whoever the other players that you're, or ball aces. Well, you're making you the, you're making that assumption, Macca. You're making that assumption. No, but the point I'm making is that um, if you can, I, I would dearly love to add another quality player from outside the club, and um, because I think our young boys are, are going to be so much better again next year, and yeah, you know, the more quality you can add to your side. Uh, the more effective you're going to be. And uh, I would think 
um, we have to make finals next year. We don't make well. They talk about giving Nick a two-year extension. I mean, he's still contracting for next year, and they're going. They talk about giving him a two-year extension, which I, I don't totally agree with because um, I'll, I'd be looking to see how we were going next year before I gave him the two-year extension. Well, I look, I, I was going to cover this, um, so thanks for bringing it up. Because the talk is that over summer, Nix is going to get a two-year extension. Um, without talking about the merits of whether he deserves it just yet, why would you do it over summer, Mac? Well, I, I think it's insane. Um, you know, because um, he's got another... He is contracted for next year, so he's the coach for next year. You can see, if you wait till the football season starts and you've got a few games under your belt, you've got a good idea then what's, what the year is going to start to look like. It might be terrible. I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying it will be. I'm hoping it's going to be very good. But, um, yeah, you know, it's the same. Like, can they keep recontracting Ken all the year, uh, all the time for another couple of years? And can he get to, you know, to a certain level, but not all the way? And I, and I don't expect him to do it again. Um, and I don't want it to be another like that. And um, if, you know, if Dixie... If they don't improve rapidly next year, when I say not rapidly, they, if they end up, end up getting like sixth, seventh at least next year, then I don't think we've, we've improved as we should have. So why sign him over summer? Like, well, I'm, I'm against. See what, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it, it's a very Adelaide thing to do, isn't it? It's a very cosy boys club thing to do to um, extend the bloke over summer. You either extend him in the middle of this year to give him some security because you're happy with his work or you see how next year plays out until at least probably the halfway mark unless we're sitting on top undefeated. You know, I mean, I just don't see the point in doing it over the over the break unless you're trying to hide it behind cricket. Yeah, well, you know, as, as Surf says, everyone knows we'll pay out two years the next deal at some point. So, I mean, yeah, you, I don't think you put yourself in that position. Nick's is not being, he wouldn't be being hounded by anybody at the moment, by any other club. No, no, that's so, right. So it's, it's illogical to sign him now and give him, give him when he's already got one year and turn it into three years. Um, so, oh, you know, you wait till next year. And as I say, if we start the year off well and, you know, after about the, Round eight, round nine, we you know we're looking like a very good team, and we've improved. Yeah, give him the extra two years in. But uh, what if we start off and lose our first six or seven games? How are we going to feel about signing for another two years in? Yeah, you know, we're 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 eleven wins this year, and you know, I mean, it look, we have improved. We, our, our squad has benefited from more games under their belts, um, and we have improved. And I think. You know, had we continued with our selection and and uh, our team strategies in the second half of the season that we that got us into a good position in the first place, then we could well be playing finals right now. Um, my problem is, Mac, that now that we're now, finals will be an expectation next year. Finals wasn't an expectation this year. There were only a few of us that thought that finals were achievable. Mm. Um and most uh most thought we'd finish sort of where we have finished at about tenth, right? 
So it's only because that the 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 lads started off, you know, pretty well before the break. Had that nice little run after, after like from about run round three, um, and got ourselves into contention. But as soon as we got into contention, the old blokes came out. So I'm worried that next year with finals definitely in the frame, that Nix's propensity not to trust youth will again see a lot of lads languishing in the twos or playing out of position or odd selection policies, uh, a fair amount of Rory Sloan, a fair amount of Rory Laird, a fair amount of Matt Crouch. Yeah, well, somebody asked in the chat, where did I have Adelaide? I had Adelaide finishing ninth this year. Uh, I remember saying that I thought I'd finished ninth just outside. Um, yeah, and, and, I had, and I had them finishing in the finals. You did? Yeah. You had them about uh, eight, I think. Yeah, I had them between six and eight. Yeah, and I, you know, I and thought Sydney we could cost have... me that prediction. Yeah, I, I, I've said I said somewhere between eight and ten, and so in the middle is ninth. So that's probably where I've got to be honest and say that's where I thought they'd finish around about that. But having said that, um, while we're crit- in being critical of Nick's, um, to some degree. Um, we have improved next year, but I do think, again, I would not recontract him until next year because next year is a critical year. This is the one where all what we've put up with for the last two, three years or the last three or four years, this is where it's supposed to start to come to fruition. And if it doesn't come to fruition and we finish you know, 9th, 10th, 11th, it, we, you know, we have made a massive mistake in re-signing him. Yeah. Um, and look, as I continually say, there's not been a there's not been an AFL premiership coach that has come from further back than Nixie will come from if he's going to win an AFL flag. Not one coach has come from thirty percent win loss. No, no, because they usually get the job. <laughs> well, this is but, the thing: uh, not one coach, Mac. Like you know, all the premiership coaches in in the modern era, say from two thousand and ten or so. Not one of them has like the the worst win loss has been about fifty eight I think percent. Having said that, I think you know the uh, uh, Van Burlow. I don't know whether Van Burlow operates his, the middle as Nick wants him to operate it, or does he is he given uh, license to have his own imagination for for the middle? I, I don't know, but. I think that's one of the main areas we, we have got wrong. I do agree we, we have got it wrong for the uh, for the majority of the year. Now, Tommy's in the chat smacking his head a fair way back. I actually did an analysis, Tommy, and I will happily share the graph with you to tell you that Clarkson was not as far back as Nick's. Anyway, um, and I did the... Um, analysis based on data so Mac, so what do you think would you replace van Berler? i mean it's difficult to say because with when it comes to assistant coaches it's very hard to get a read on what they're doing right um you know there's been good feedback from james raleigh i guess i haven't heard a lot about scott burns and what he does around the place um so i think I think there's a natural bias against Van Berlow because we 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 relate Van Berlow to 
those very vanilla years of Neil Craig and, you know, Sanderson, etc. I don't... Um, you know, I, it's hard for me to make a call on our assistants because I just don't know what they do. I, I've heard all three of them talk and, and to be honest with you, the one that impresses me the, boat, the most is Raleigh. Yeah, uh, Scott Byrne surprises me because he was such a tough nugget as a player, but he doesn't quite come doesn't across get, that way, does he? No, he doesn't. No, no, I agree. But I agree uh, about Raleigh. Right? Uh, yeah, somebody says he's a class above it. I don't, he certainly comes across that way. Yeah. Oh, look, I think at the end of the day, Macca, the buck stops with the head coach. Um, you know, we've talked about selection before, and yes, as a committee, but at the end of the day, Matthew Nix will get the team that Matthew Nix wants. Um, you know, he might be swayed by certain opinions, but at the end of the day, it's his team that he puts out there and he lives and dies by it. I, I think that Matthew Nix has done an excellent job of uh, of being the right coach for the situation the club was in with regards to, you know, cultural issues and structural changes and personnel changes and, you know, a lot of discontent publicly and all the rest. Of it. I think Matthew Nix has done an excellent job excellent job in that regard and he's built a team ethos together with um what's that guy's name from came over from richmond richmond i can't remember his name off the uh oh, oh yeah the chat will let me know someone in the chat will let me know like they've, they've rebuilt the culture of jackson daniel jackson that's right thanks Vardy. um you know they rebuilt the culture of the club um you know it's been Good to see them get around each other, but I th I actually think that he's in danger of breaking that culture because he because of his propensity to continue on with the old guard Mac, and he's well, got to be really careful because when we interviewed, well, I remember a couple of years back we interviewed three or four young lads, and all of them had the same thing. They all were ready to take on, take over the club and, you know, build a new era and all the rest of it. And, you know, you're looking at two or three years on and we're still playing Crouch and Sloan and Laird in the guts and these blokes will be thinking, well, hang on, this is this wasn't the, the car that I got sold. No, and that, look, that's a very fair, fair comment. The interesting thing is that um, uh, he did start to play the, some youngsters in, in the guts, but then as we got to the situation where we were possibly get the finals, he went that you know he abandoned that. And, uh, Correct, and, that, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. And yeah, I, that's and, a, that's a culture breaker, in my opinion, if he's not careful. Well, I, I, I think that when we start again next year, I, I would think, and you would hope that he that he would. Uh, Go back to that philosophy of trying to introduce, and I and I think I think he will. I think Pedal will get a lot more in in the middle of next year. Um, I'm pretty pretty confident about that. I think Rochelle will get a lot more as next year as well. Um, so I think that's a very optimistic point of view because if we talk, if you think about it logically, Mac, uh, the talk around is that he's going to be re-signed in the off season which would mean that the club and the board are happy with the way that he's handled the situation in the second half of the year. So if he if he gets re-signed, that's basically an endorsement of what he's been doing. So there's no, to me, there's no impetus 
to all of a sudden change his philosophy and go back to playing the kids, particularly when they've just shown their hand by signing Sloan for another year, signing Murphy oh. for another two, and and quite probably signing Matt Crouch again. To me, the to me the horrible one in that whole outfit is Sloan. I mean, no, no, but I, let's not I, get sidetracked from the from the conversation, Macca. We're talking about Matthew Nix. We know about Sloan. Let's talk about Matthew Nix. Those signings and the fact that if he gets a two-year deal in the off-season, it's basically the board endorsing his actions, tells me that then they don't want... like They're quite happy with the way that he's gone. Well, that's true, but they may also have com- conversations with him about uh, how they see the future as well. And as part of that deal of the extension, um, hopefully that... They don't just say, you know, yeah, you've got another, you've got another, got another two years. They would be talking. Uh, uh, everybody in the club gets a review. He'll get a review, and um, it may well be that they'll say to him that, yeah, look, it was we've got uh, to a certain point, but we have to build up the the peddlers and the Rochelles and the, and players like that through the midfield as well, um, so that we can actually um, not rely on the old timers, but build up a, like a, um, uh, a growth quality midfield and um, you know I, I don't think the coach gets totally his own way in the sense that um, they'll look at what he did and they'll point out his good points to him and and also um, and, and it's obvious they would also point out what they don't agree with um, I would think that um, I would hope for this way, I couldn't guarantee but I would hope that start of a new year we would try and uh, Put out the best midfield we could put, which and uh, one that we could, could grow into our best midfield. Uh, well, and that's the thing. I think that the club thinks that the best midfield we can put out includes Laird, Crouch, and Sloan. Like that's that's what they uh, next obviously thought in the last few weeks, but that's not necessarily what will happen next year. I would hope. Like I mean, there's no there's no guarantee either, either way. Mm. Well, I mean, and, you know, we go round and round in circles because we're just uh, hypothesising, you know. I just think that uh, I just think that the, the, the signs point to uh, the board being quite comfortable with where we're at. And I, you know, I wonder sometimes about what motivates our club. And, you know, obviously premierships motivate players, 100% premierships motivate players. But um, you got to wonder sometimes, Macca, what 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 drives the club in terms of uh, you know its commercial viability and and the the, the Sloan re-signing just smacks of a commercial decision to me. Well, what I found very interesting is that um, we saw Sloan play his last game for the club, and um, he didn't play on the weekend, but you know he played a really shitty ordinary game. Coming, going to be 34 years of age when he plays next year. Saw a bloke called Smith playing for Geelong. Uh, he's 34 at the end of the year, not not the start of the year. He's had an outstanding year, and he's retired at his top, which I think is outstanding. He had a magnificent game in his last last. So who, who was that? Sorry, Smith. The guy, the guy oh, Isaac from, Smith. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, had a magnificent game, absolutely magnificent game. Probably their best player, and yet, yet he's retired on top. And I, I think it's sad 
that they re re uh, re-signed Sloan. And Sloan's been a great player for the club. He's been a great warrior for the club. And what we're going to do is see this dwindling player getting worse and worse and becoming a bit of an embarrassment as time goes on. Um, yeah, I, I just think that was just such a bad signing. Um, and, yeah, because it, it, what will happen is unless there's an agreement with him that there will be times that he won't be played and we, the times he'll be in the SAFL. If that's the, if that's a deal, then it may be fair enough. But I what still makes you think, think that's a deal when Rory Sloan comes out and says, you know, I'm, I, I'm a fair way off having to worry about playing SAFL? Did he say that? Well, if you listen to the press conferences, mate, that's what that's what he said. Well, I don't listen to the ear every day of the week, but I've, if he said that, I missed it because, jeez. Uh, Rory, Rory Sloan does not think, and this is why I laugh at people who say, oh, I'll only play, you know, it's mostly for the SANFL and for development. Bullshit. Rory Sloan has signed on because he thinks he's still got tons to offer as an AFL player, the end. Well, that's what I say. I find that sad when I compare that to what uh, Isaac Smith did with Geelong. You know, he thirty-four. Uh, he's yeah. had a great year, and then go sorry to like interrupt. That. Sorry to interrupt, Max. Scoot says in the chat. Sloan also mentioned if he's not up to it, he'll be playing SNFL. That's exactly right. And then he went on to say, but he thinks that he's a fair way off having to worry about that yet. Scoot. Well. I look. I think it was a backward move, and I think it was a thing that could have been solved very easily by you know telling him that you're not going to give him a contract, but you're going to uh, hire him as a development coach with the kids and keep him in the club, and it would have been keeping a, uh, a club great, working with the and no embarrassment to him, and um, in fact probably a kudos to him because he looks like he's that valuable. You need him, so you know to look after the young young boys. So to me, just stupid, but. Um, I think that the club really failed. They failed our supporters when they did that, in my opinion. That's well, I no, but they that. didn't. But they didn't make it. See, this is the thing. This is the thing, right? They didn't fail their supporters because a lot of their supporters, the majority of our supporters, are jumping for joy that Rory Sloan got re-signed. Yeah, it was a lot. I look, I agree. Yeah, but they they are thinking of the Sloan that was, not the Sloan that is. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This comes back to my point of what motivates the club. There you go. Well, I, I mean, it's it's the question is right there on the table. What motivates the club is the seventy or seventy five percent of people who treat the Crows as entertainment and are happy for our Rory to continue to play because he's such a wonderful player. Yeah, And then well, they go back and have their apricot slice and their little sip of Chardonnay and life's good. Yeah, yeah so it's sensible Crow did a survey. And... Maka, we're doing a podcast. Stop reading and talk. I'm talking. Um, no, I, all I'm saying is that I think that's a shame that that. But coming back to next year, Fee, I, I'll, I'll call it now. I think that we will finish in the um, eight, and I think that we will, we will be finishing somewhere between fifth and eight. 
And you yeah. say, to give it a number, I'm going to say we'll finish sixth. Jacob Perry reckons that Phoenix hates the club legends. No, I just wish they'd bugger off when they're done and actually retire graciously rather than hang on until they're kicked out the door when they're 45 years old. Yeah, so oh, that's, what I'm, that's my estimate for next year. What's yours? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens during the trade and draft period. I'm not prepared to make that that um, prediction oh, just yet. We've got a very good nucleus of a side there. Um, the, the nucleus is there. There's not going to be that much that will, will happen. In yeah, the, but I think the... you're basing your. I, I just think you're basing your stuff off, off hopes and dreams. Let's just wait and see how they roll them out first. Yeah, well, when we made a call at the beginning of this year, we we did it on hopes and dreams. Yeah, that was at the beginning of this year, not at the end of the season before. Yeah, all right, then put this way. Then. <laughs> That's my early prediction. I'm going to say sick. Uh, I, I would. I certainly finals are going to be on the on the on the expectation list, Mac. Uh, but I'm yet to be convinced that we're going to roll out a side that's going to do it. Put it this way: if we roll if we roll out the side th- that contains Matt Crouch, Rory Laird, and Rory Sloan, and that's the side that we roll out for the majority of the season, we will not make the eight. Well, because you've got I'm Hawthorne a... coming up, you've got Gold Coast coming up, you've got Fremantle coming up, Western Bulldogs oh, yeah, just missed out. Hang on, hang on, let me finish. And out of the eight, the vulnerable one is probably uh, maybe St Kilda, although they're not going so bad, um, or Geelong. Sydney. Or Geelong are out of the eight. Geelong are out of yeah. the eight. So there's two in the eight that I reckon are vulnerable, and there's probably. I'd say four or five clubs that on form are, are, well, probably two or three that are real contenders. Gold Coast, us, are probably the two that are real contenders with the Bulldogs. And then you've got a couple of roughies like Fremantle and Hawthorne. So there's a fair amount of competition for what will be two spots. And I reckon that if we roll out the midfield we rolled out this year, we will will get overtaken. Yeah, well... I would. It'd, it'd be disgusting if we didn't improve things and we and make certain changes to to get that improvement. And well, I, I believe we have got a, a good, a pretty good talent pool there uh, that has improved this year because it's, they've got a few more games into them. Um, and if you have a look at the fact that we lost to top five, uh, uh, sorry, top four teams, and we I think we lost. Uh, teams that are playing finals, we've lost we've lost five or six games by less than a goal, and both and all cases through rotten kicking. So we weren't that far off this year, even in spite of what happened in the Sydney game. In terms of, we could have easily, quite easily, been almost top four this year if we if we'd actually kicked straight. Yep. So, we're, so we're not a long way away, and that, and I think these boys will improve again next year. So. I don't think I'm playing, going, no, irrespective of how they pick their team, I don't think I'm going uh, too far by saying I, I think we'll finish sixth. No, it's all good. Well, like I said, I'm not prepared to make a prediction yet. Uh, we'll see how they roll out at the beginning of next year. Um, before we go, Macca, and thanks for everyone who's hung on while we've uh, been chatting about this, it's been a less structured 
podcast than usual, but uh, that's because no one really cared about the w- about the West Coast game. Um, finals predictions, mate. It's I one of the reasons I reckon we are around in the hunt for a top four was that it's been a fairly apart from Collingwood. I think it's been a fairly flat and even season, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, we've in terms of um, possible final eight teams, there's probably been at least 12 clubs in the equation for the majority of the season. Um, and whilst the um, top four has been locked up for quite some time, they haven't been world beaters. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Collingwood have won a lot, lot of games from coming from behind. Uh, Brisbane yep. have only really just started getting going in the second half of the year. Port have been consistent with and had some big moments, but also have have at times looked pedestrian against us, for example. Uh, Melbourne have sort of sputtered along and seem to be getting their mojo right now. Carlton have looked good. St Kilda just... I mean, there's, it seems quite easy, even, and I don't think the Premiership is as as lay down as people think it is. That's my opinion. I would not be surprised to see a team out, outside the top four make the grand final this year. And like a GWS, for example, who really got on a roll in recent weeks. Or a Carlton. Carlton, well, they're not so good today. Um, GWS no, made them. Carlton will be this year's AFL love child, mate. You know that every year they have one. Oh, oh a, a Victorian love child. Yep. Yes, no doubt about that. Carlton, it'll be just uh, on that particular point. Made me think of another thing: the redress that our president was trying to seek. Can we just stick with the topic? I just want. Well, just made me think at random. Thing. Do you think that we will get prime games next year? Prime time games next year? I've got no idea. I mean, we're. A team that nearly and should have made the eight. And we, we, uh, we get too many of these 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock games on, on a Saturday. I've got no idea, Macca. I, I, who, who knows? Well, I, I think that's, you know, from a financial point of view for the club, I think it's important to get those. I'd, ra- I'd like to talk about the final series now, if you don't mind. Okay. Sorry. Because we're rounding out the podcast. We're at 1 hour 50. And uh, just before we go, I'd like to hear about your thoughts about the final series. Well, um, I think you summed it up very well. There's no clear-cut dead-set favourite to win it. Um, I think Brisbane are very, very well-placed to get into the grand final. I think they're perfectly placed. They played Port Adelaide first at uh, Brisbane. And I uh, won 11 from 11 uh, at Get uh, at the Gabba this year. I think they'll win that, and that will give them a home preliminary final. And again, I think that home um, Gabba situation will prevail, and they'll go through to the grand final. So I see them as being one of the grand finalists. Um, and I think the other grand finalists could come if Collingwood. And Collingwood aren't playing quite as well as they were. If, I mean, if Collingwood were playing as they were early in the year, but they haven't got a day cost in there now, um, they could well be the other one. But um, I'm going to say yeah, I'm going to go for a Brisbane-Melbourne grand final. Brisbane-Melbourne. Yeah, I agree with you about Brisbane. Uh, they are in the box seat uh, to make it. 
because, you know, uh, all things being considered, they shouldn't leave the Gabba until grand final day. Um, yeah, I, I'm probably in the similar boat to you about Collingwood, Mac. Um, I don't think they're. I don't think they're unbeatable. I think. I I feel like Collingwood play very very well in patches, and when was the last time you saw Collingwood put in a good month of solid four quarter football? I don't think we've actually well, seen that for a while from Collingwood. No, no, we haven't for a few weeks now. And it's going to take a good solid month of four quarter football to win the flag, uh, because I think there's enough teams around them that could that can push them. Um, so, I mean, you know, Dylan in the chat and the YouTube chat, I, th- you know, I think, I think it could go one of two ways. They can either go ballistic in the finals and just belt everyone, or they will come back to the pack and, um, you know, they won't be the unbeatables that they looked, you know, maybe six or eight weeks ago. Um, I think, you know, they've, they've, there's some danger in them bringing key players back too quickly. You know, they've got some more and all that. They've got to come back and they've got to be managed and they'll be lacking match fitness. So, yeah, I think Collingwood are vulnerable. Um, what do we think about Port's chances? I, I'm, tipping no, it straight, I'm tipping a straight sets for Port. Yeah, same here. I think it's straight out the door. Um, they'll definitely lose to Brisbane up there. I'm, I'm that sure of that. 100% positive. And, look, when you, when you look at Port Adelaide... It, if you took a Rosie um, out of the side and Butters out of the side and, I don't know, maybe one other player who, can, who plays right out their side, that they're, they're only an average team. Yeah, but you That's can't my... take those players out of the side because they're in the side. No, so the point, then, therefore, you can blanket those players and Sam, yeah, Power Pepper, he, he's had a very good season. If you can blanket those players, then you're really blanketing Port Adelaide because... They don't have other players that can lift them, and in my opinion, and and win at in, in finals. Yeah, it's so. very hard to blanket a whole midfield. I mean, you've you've named four players there. You, you know, you can blanket one or two, but the the good thing that Port have in their favour is that they've got a they've got a very talented and and even midfield spread. And they, you know, if you want to quell their midfield, you you've got to quell four players. Um, and then you've got a couple of old stages that could come in with cameos like Boke and, you know, Ollie Wines isn't really an old stager, but he's been out of that midfield rotation. So I think their midfield will carry them a certain way. I I think in the end they will struggle to kick enough goals, Mac, to be honest with you. Uh, added to that, Fiend, which I agree with that comment, um, is the fact they are, I, their defence is, at best I'd say their defence is average. Oh, it's, it's average, not, yeah. So they're vulnerable. So, you know, if a yeah. side get, gets a real good run on, and we're talking about quality sides playing up in the finals. So, yeah. Oh, look, oh, Port Adelaide, they had that lovely burst where they just kept falling in, falling in, but I, I just think they're going to be falling out, falling out. So I, I see a double out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the, their vulnerable defence means that they have to kick a lot of goals. And, you know, um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they uh, would have loved to have snagged a, a home final. Um, obviously, they'll have a home final in the second week if they lose 
or either way they'll have a set, they'll have home final in the second week um but uh yeah you know i mean if they come up against a team like the giants or the swans or well, both of those teams aren't afraid of adelaide oval um no not one little bit no you know so anyway we'll see uh what'd you say brisbane and melbourne yeah, I'm going Brisbane, Melbourne for the GF. Well, let me let me just do a quick ladder predictor here while we're talking, because uh, I don't know. I I'm, I have a sneaky about Carlton, and I hate to say it because I don't want Carlton anywhere near it. Um, but uh, I just have a suspicion that Carlton might actually get up into a grand final, Macca. So let's just well, see if that's possible. Um. Let me just see. Um, yeah, for Carlton to get through, they'd have to beat the Pies in this in a in a semi. Mm-hmm. And then they would have to. Oh, where did they get knocked? I just knocked them out. I didn't even realise I knocked them out. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um then they'd have to beat Brisbane at home, yeah. I reckon the 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 lines are gonna be one and I reckon the the variability comes from the other side. And yeah, you're looking at you're looking at a Melbourne or maybe even a Giants. Giants is probably well, a smoky. Well, that's exactly where I'm coming from. I'm saying I'm locking in Brisbane on one side, uh, to be there in the final. And on the other side, I think Melbourne's possibly uh, the best of the rest. Collingwood could could upset that, but um, but if you want a real smoky, and it is GWS, uh, they can play very very good very very good football on their day. Yeah, whether so, they can do it on the G is probably the thing, mate. I reckon. Well, that's a big point. That's a big point, and um, yeah, I, I think the team. I mean. From the AFL's point of view, uh, their dream grand final would be uh, Collingwood versus Carlton, wouldn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Back to the halcyon yeah. days of the VFL. Yeah. So, but, um, no, I'll, I'll stick with what I said. I think Brisbane are going to make it because they've got, they're going to get to, in my opinion, they'll, they'll knock off Port and that gives them a, a home for them and straight through to the, the GF, in my opinion. Yep. And, and then yep. the other one's uh, a little bit more open. Very good. All right, mate, we might uh, wrap it up there. Of course, the uh, the buyers next week, uh, which means that everyone takes a break and we can take a break too. Um, but I reckon we might continue to get together on a Sunday night through the final series, Mac. What do you reckon? Well, I'm happy to do so. Yeah, if you guys just... out there want, want, to, want to come and listen, we'll, we'll meander yeah, on. Yeah, and if there's uh, if there's any uh, scuttlebutt that's happening via the via the club in the meantime, we might be able to get a couple of interviews going through that time as well. I'll see what I can do down at the club, um, but that we'll run good. through uh, we'll run through the the final series and uh, see how we go. But next week we'll have a break, uh, the same as everyone else, and yep. uh, so in the meantime, everyone, thanks very much for joining us again tonight. Uh, it's been another excellent. Um, audience uh 
Don't forget if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe and hit the notifications so that you know when we're up again next, which will be um, yeah. Sunday week, Macca. In the Somebody's, meantime... Um, just before you go, some scallywag can you get an interview with Matthew Crouch? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. So on that night, I'll say good night. All right, mate. Good night, everyone. Catch you later. See ya.